Great, so good morning, everybody. Welcome to our coffee morning. And this morning we have Carmel Farnan on as our special guest speaker, which I'm so looking forward to talking to and having a lovely chat with. We're discussing all things um, mindfulness this morning. And if you've just joined us, please make sure that you are on mute. Um, good morning to you all. So a little bit of a background about Carmel. Carmel Farnan worked as a business analyst after graduating from Griffith College, Dublin. However, despite success in that career, she felt unfulfilled and decided to follow her true passion, discovering how the mind works. She completed a Bachelor of Science Honours degree in psychology and is a graduate member of the British Psychology Society. BPS adhering to their code of ethics and practices. She also qualified as a psychotherapist and counsellor in 2001 and is registered and accredited with IAHM. Carmel also provides counselling supervision to trainees, psychotherapists and counsellors. Carmel is the founder of the Irish, British and International Mindfulness Academies, providing mindfulness training in Ireland and UK. Carmel, you're so welcome to our mm -hmm. coffee morning with the Inspire Tribe this morning. Um, could you please explain who you help and how you help the people that you work with? Okay, well, yeah, I hardly recognize myself the description there that you gave, Jessica. <laughs> so even though they're two separate arms, yeah, I did train as a psychologist and a counsellor. And now I run all the mindfulness, different organizations, but it's the same thing. It's all about how we use our mind to feel well and to stay well. And I always say to people, we go through maybe 14 years of an education system and there's physical education is taught, but there's absolutely nothing about mental education. And I believe that starting from very young age in school, we should all be taught how our mind works. And what's happening at the moment is that people are coming back to try and figure out they're running into different things. And we know in the middle of a pandemic and all of that, but we have, we've great knowledge now how the mind works in a very, very simple way. And even sometimes doing, if I do one-to-one -one mindfulness coaching with somebody or one-to-one counselling after the first hour of that, you can really help people on their way there. Terrific. And um, how can people find you and um, your, your contact details and what is your business? Okay, well, I suppose there's two businesses. And in Ireland, there will be the Irish Mindfulness Academy, .ie. And then the other strand of that is Carmel Farnan Counselling Centre. So there's a few of us work doing counselling. But ultimately, it's the same thing. Uh, we have a way, if we're taught how our mind works, it's simple, it's effective. And we can start doing it immediately. And that's what I'd like to even help people on this call today to do. That's terrific. So could you please, Carmel, um, tell us your story and explain how you got into this? Um, yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny because um, I would have worked in corporate and I would have been seen to be very successful, you know, when I was moving up the corporate ladder and getting these management jobs and everything. And um, but inside, first of all, I just felt, you know, that expression, well, you can climb up the ladder, but all of a sudden you find it's pointing at the wrong wall. That was definitely me. But because I didn't even know how my mind worked, what happened was I had huge stress from my corporate job. And um, even if you were to Google my name, there's an article in the Arch Independent about me, you know, where I was saying I'd no quality of life at all. I was working in IT and I was working round the clock with all these big projects on massive money, but I couldn't even, I didn't have the hours to spend that money. 
and my whole quality of life wasn't good at all. So I began to feel very uneasy within that, you know, and knowing even that we've 168 hours in the week, but most of mine were going to work. So I had no work-life balance. And eventually, this would have been in 1995, I saw this course and it was called Living in the Now. And I thought, gosh, I don't do that at all. I live up in my head. And I can honestly say that I walked in and out of that course as two entirely different people. The course was only about an hour and a half. That was the first night of it. But that living in the now is what mindfulness is. But the word mindfulness wasn't being used back then. But I always describe my life as a before and after mindfulness. And as a result of discovering mindfulness, I ended up saying, I really want to learn how the mind works. So I went off and I trained as a psychotherapist first and I trained as a yoga teacher. I trained as a dietitian. I trained as a, an energy massage therapist as well, because I, I asked, did you just like pack it all in overnight? Did you just go, I'm done. I'm going to train with all these things. Or did you start to do it in your own time? I did it in my own time. I was just, yeah. Once you get on, once you get on that little path, even after today, and you start using some of the tips that I give you, you begin to feel really, really well. And then I thought to myself, as the years were going on, I was getting more and more anxious. And I would have even learned anxiety as a child because my mother would have been very anxious. And you pick up these habits, these ways of being. But um, no, it took me four years before I could exit the corporate job now my heart was gone out but once I started down this path but mm. I had a mortgage and yeah I, yeah I wanted to be kind of practical so I waited till I had one or two qualifications under my belt and then it was an overnight thing and people thought I was just crazy you know my... it's amazing that you did that but but what I'm most surprised is you were able to actually do the both running alongside each other which just shows such dedication yeah but when you get into something that you really love it's not like studying yeah, like I would have been reading those books anyhow in my leisure time, you know, yeah, what yeah. little leisure time I had. So yeah, yeah. it's like when you get onto your right path, it's, you know, that saying, you know, I've never worked a day in my life. I really don't consider my work anymore as work. It's something yeah, yeah. I totally love doing. And one more quick question before you move on to the next bit of your story. You, you mentioned that you just changed, like just once you did that one and a half hours, you were like... Mm-hmm that's it was there a certain phrase or a, or a sentence or like do you remember the kind of eureka moment or was it just a feeling after it that that's it you're, you're you're done I think probably the eureka moment which didn't feel like it at the time was you had to talk to the girl who was running the course beforehand so I went in a total mess I had all these problems and I had relationship problems and I had work problems and I had home problems and all of that and she said to me well I don't need to know about that for the purpose of this course and I thought this girl is mad like how on earth is she going to fix all these things she doesn't know about them so I insisted anyhow on telling her about them (laughs) not that she wanted to hear and she was 100% correct because with mindfulness um, it's not about going into those problems more and more and more mindfulness is about creating a clearer mind and then you're able to look at these various situations that we might all encounter and use a bigger and a clearer mind to get the the answers from you you know not from somebody else yeah wow that's incredible and was it was it after talking to her that you just went this is it well it's funny because 
the whole class, that first class was just uh, the catchphrase I, that I would have taken away from that was, where is your mind right now? So is your mind actually sitting in this room or are you planning on the what dinner you're going to have when you go home or you should have had a cup of coffee before you came? And most of the time, what all the research shows is that we're only present in our life about 50% of the time. So just that phrase of where is my mind right now? So um, if you're on the podcast, then you're here, you're on the call and we're meant to pay attention. So it's like you could say that maybe myself and Jessica would be the people who are going to be most mindful on this because we literally haven't got a choice. We can't be off in our heads thinking about maybe a pressing problem that might be going on because we have to present. So I know myself, say, when I'm on a, a Zoom call or something like that, even if I don't have to, I will always put my camera on because otherwise what would happen is our mind has a tendency because we're all so busy and trying to get all this stuff done that we end up trying to multitask and we're in we're living a life of partial attention. So we're never on the Zoom call or we're never fully doing our work or we're never fully on the phone because we might be stacking the dishwasher. So it's really the whole time keeping on bringing your mind back. Like if somebody was making a video of you right now, what would they think you were doing? So if you look like you're on a Zoom call, well, then as much as you can, you just bring your mind to the Zoom call. And that's really what mindfulness is. I absolutely love that. That's incredible. Amazing. And I love that we can take that away. Where is your mind right now? It's something so simple that you can tap into yeah. all day. Um, so, Karma, would you continue on with your story, please? Because um, I, I, I interrupted you there to ask a few questions, but you were you, so you went and you got qualified. Got qualified. And um, I actually qualified in yoga before I qualified in psychotherapy. So I was able to set up yoga classes. And um, it was just that idea. Like I'd left a really good corporate career and they were just saying to me I was mad that I'd be back and that they told my job open for six months. And I just said, I won't be back. And they said, look, you know, if you want to get this out of your system. But I knew in my heart this was a total lifestyle change. And it was funny. That was back in 1999 when I left. And um, I remember I was walking down Grafton Street and like that, you know, the way our minds would bring in because our minds are made like this. It has a negativity bias and it would bring in the fear and even watch yourself because words that begin with what if generally are going to bring you into anxious thoughts. I remember walking down Grafton Street and thinking, what if I didn't make a go of these yoga classes? And um, my phone rang and I was headhunted for this job in the States. It was no, sorry, in Amsterdam. And um, they were offering me £60,000 at the time for a six month contract. And I was there going, oh, maybe this is a sign and maybe I could just take the 60,000 and I'd have that as a cushion. And then I just thought, just burn your bridges, you know, be courageous and keep going. You know, you've given up the permanent fabulous money, but just keep on going. So I turned that down. Now it did take me, you know, an extra reserve of courage to go, <laughs> no, 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 I'm not doing that. And uh, that was it, you know, and it's, I suppose it's like what you're doing in your own fitness goals. You have an outcome that you want and you keep on moving towards it. So I wanted to have a business that I could work full time in. And uh, 
you just set that goal and keep on going, you know. Um, so I think as well, when you're on your right path, it's very easy. I think things just kind of come your way and open up your way. Yeah. Well, when you were taking the leap uh, before we move on, when you were taking the leap, did you have to practice lots of what you've learned on yourself to keep that going? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I had to give a month's notice. And I remember twice in that month, I woke up during the night. And you know the way during the night, if you have anything going on in your life, it appears much worse when you wake up in the dark of the night. And um, I woke up and I was like, oh, you're crazy. What are you after doing? And I was like, go in tomorrow and just ask, can you stay? Which I knew they'd say yes. And that happened to me twice. But then when I woke up in the morning, I was like, no, no, no. You know, in your heart and soul, you weren't happy working in that corporate. So absolutely, I had to apply mindfulness. And it's really good if you can pick a particular area, you know. So for some people, that might be health. It could be fitness. It could be relationship. It could be money. And you say, right, when those thoughts come up, um, I'm not going to engage with them. Because another thing within mindfulness is that what we focus on grows. So if you can really watch, you know, so what I would have done when those thoughts would come up about, are you crazy leaving this fantastic job? You know, what if you never make a success of this business? Well, I would just say, okay, I'm not feeding those thoughts. And we now know through neuroscience that if you don't feed the thoughts, they die off. They weaken, first of all, and then they die off. So it's just like, say, in school, maybe for intercert or junior cert, we might have done, I don't know, English poetry. And we've never referred to it since. And we probably couldn't get the same mark in an English test now or a geography test or a history test because we haven't used those thoughts and they die off through a lack of attention. So it's the same with any thoughts. We're not supposed to keep on going over and over and over troublesome thoughts. What we need is a clear mind to go back because say if we're only mindful 50% of the time, that means 50% of our mind is tied up in all these thoughts and daydreaming and all of that. And if you start being mindful, just living your life more in the present, then you've greater mind power available to you. And if we're running our life in any way well, using only 50% of our mind, well, if we even increase that to 60% or 70%, we've greater mind power to come up with a better solution than rehashing the old thoughts over and over again. And can I ask you, are you better off acknowledging the thoughts and saying stop? Or are you better off just letting them like die, like let, like just ignoring them? Yeah, it's not about suppressing thoughts because um, thoughts are just a function of the brain. So it's like um, your heart is going to pump blood while your mind is going to pump thoughts. But it's where you get caught up in them and you go off in this thought train about a particular topic and you keep on going, going, going like broken record. And you see, because the way our mind is built, we have this negativity bias and we don't tend to go onto a broken record of positive thoughts because our brain is made to keep us alive. So we have that negativity bias still from the caveman days. So in relation to the thoughts, it's just recognizing. And you see what happens is, we have 60,000 thoughts a day, 
but they can only happen in our head one thought at a time. So your feelings the whole time are a barometer to show you what your thinking is doing. So say if you were thinking anxious thoughts, you're going to have anxious feelings. If you were thinking lonely thoughts, you're going to have lonely feelings. If you think stressed thoughts, you've stressed feelings. So try, see a lot of times in the West, particularly we're very head-based and we might be paying full attention to what's happening in our body. You know, say somebody who's unwell has probably ignored early warning signals. So say around stress or anxiety, you might feel a knot in your stomach or a tightness in your chest, or some people talk about feeling it in their throat. So these are all signs that you've begun to use your mind in the wrong way. Or there could be actually something in your life, you know, say even like my past job, I don't know how many hours a week I was working, but there was zero work-life balance. Yeah. But it's listen to those feelings that are coming and use them as just a warning sign of what it is you need to be taken care of, whether it's your thoughts or physically in your life. Okay, very interesting. Could you explain to me, Carmel, what um, mindfulness is, in your opinion, like how you would describe it the most, and then how um, us as women, because I want um, out of this podcast episode for people to be able to leave with practical tips on how to improve the quality of their life through mindfulness every day. So first of all, could you just sum up what it actually is, mindfulness, and um, how it helps women in particular um, with their life? Okay. Um, The official definition of mindfulness is paying attention on purpose to the present moment without judgment. Now, that's the Western definition of it. An Eastern tradition where it originated would be to use the word focus or concentrate to bring your mind into the present moment. So that's the word that I use the whole time would be just focus or concentrate. Another thing I did when I got into it at the beginning was I put up little post-its around the place with the word switch. And even in work, when I was still there, I would have had it on my computer. And for me, that meant switch out of your head and into the present moment, into what you're doing. So We're meant, if anybody has young children or you know young children, they're masters of mindfulness. They're wonderful. They might get really upset one minute, two minutes later, it's not a bother at them. They're back playing. Now, as adults, what we do is we keep on rewounding ourselves by playing all of the stuff over and over and over again. And sometimes it can be years later. So in terms of women, um, you know, some of the pressures are really, I suppose, what I'm talking about. First of all, the whole world is under pressure at the moment because of the pandemic. And we're we're very good at adapting and beginning to think this is, we're getting used to living like this, but we're not because we're constantly being bombarded. Then you've all different stresses. Everybody has different ones. It could be that you're living on your own um, you've been cut away from the people that you normally like spending time with. You could have children, they're homeschooling. You could be working from home. You could have bad Wi-Fi. You could be back in the office and you prefer to be working at home. So we're being bombarded. They're just extra stresses on top of the normal stress. And even because people are living longer now, A lot of times we can be a sandwich generation where we're looking after children and we're looking after maybe aging parents as well. 
And then you've all this coming in from work. Then you've all this technology coming in. Then on top of that, if you turn on a TV, you're bombarded with bad news. So at no time before have we ever had as much stimuli coming in at us. And um, people are doing a very good short term thing of juggling all of this. But we can't sustain this long term. And that's what I'm saying. We need to tune into ourselves and feel what we're feeling and that gives us the prompt as to what action that we're going to take that's so interesting and yeah god it feels like never before have we had such bad news in the news it's just unbelievable well even if you look um i'm always amused and there's a saying in psychology which is be informed but not saturated so you might want to know what's going on in the world, but you don't have to know every hour on the hour what's going on. And I was in somebody's house there in the last couple of weeks and the nine o'clock news came on and the person said, good evening, here, here is the nine o'clock news. And I was just amused. I thought, well, it was a good evening. <laughs> but now you're going to tell me all the reasons why it's not a good evening anymore. And yeah. I don't particularly want to hear these. And then... It's followed by all these current affairs programs or, you know, prime time and crime watch and all of these things. And yeah, totally. You know, yeah, I was watching a really funny show the other night. I can't remember what it was. It was like, oh, so lighthearted, really good. Mm. Form. And then it was over. It was on Netflix. So I switched it on to RT1. It was like the second I heard somebody's voice, I was like, oh, no, thanks. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. And you see, there's research to show that what you focus on before you go to sleep continues through the night. So that's why it's not good to saturate yourself with that stuff before you go to sleep. And even from mindfulness, they recommend writing down things, good things that have happened that day. That would be something I do at night. And they ask you to write down three good things that have happened that day. But sometimes I like have a little, it's only an A5 little journal. I could end up with 12 or 14 things. And it might be hard to start writing them. You might think, gosh, I I just don't know. But once you start, it's like our mind is like a filing cabinet and or say two filing cabinets. And once you open a negative filing cabinet, you'll find more and more files in there. But if you deliberately come over to a more positive filing cabinet, and I mean genuine, not positive thinking, not making up, well, I should be so grateful I have food in my fridge. If you don't feel that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, it's really like flexing a muscle, isn't it? It's exactly like doing a workout, you know. So, um, you know, if you're, I don't know, if you're lifting weights, well, you know, your biceps are going to get stronger, you know. So I heard a great expression one time. um, Everybody has a high road to stress and a dirt road to happiness. Um, and the, the high road is it just gets warm. We're so used to it. And, and it, ta- it takes us only a few seconds to get to that yeah. place. But it's such a people aren't used to the road to happiness because the muscle hasn't been um, flexed enough. Yeah, that's a brilliant expression. There's another one in neuroscience and they say the brain is Velcro for pain and Teflon for pleasure. So that's just what I was saying earlier on. We have this negativity bias of mind. So those two sayings work really well because showing, yes, you do have to work harder. It's like you're swimming against the tide a little bit, but you get into the groove because what happens in your brain, like within a day even of practicing mindfulness, there's 
when they measure the brain, there's changes in it. So, wow, yeah, yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Carla, no. could you please give us now, because um, I'm a bit conscious of time, some practical tips that we can incorporate um, into our lives um, to, to live, to, to be happier and to feel better and all the things we discussed today. Yeah. Okay. The biggest thing I can say to you is use something like that word switch, focus or concentrate to bring your mind into the present moment. There's a great emphasis. If you look up mindfulness in the media or that, they're forever talking about meditation and breathing and meditation and breathing. That's only one tiny little part of it. Even if you did a breathing meditation for 10 minutes, you still have nearly, you know, you've over 23 and a half other hours in the day. So I hate that. It's just a personal thing. I I hate that. Like, oh, you know, go and sit and breathe. Yeah. No. If if you're into it, do it. But there's loads of other parts of mindfulness. There's the whole informal part. Now, a moving meditation, which would be a walking exercise, that suits people maybe that are more active. So all that is, is you use your five senses. And if you think of these, it's called V-A-K-G-O. So visual, what you see, auditory, what you hear, kinesthetic, what you feel. Gustatory is what you taste and olfactory, what you smell. So your five senses and you only do it for about 20 minutes and you loop through these five senses. So 15 seconds on what you see, 15 seconds on what you hear, 15 seconds on what you feel. 15 seconds taste, 15 seconds smell, then go back 15 on see, hear, taste, see, hear, feel, taste, smell, and you keep on doing that. Now, if you did that every day, you would really build up your mindful muscle. So mindfulness is only about paying attention. That's the word. That's all it is. So that's something I would do every single day. And then do things like when you're having your shower, try and use your five senses. When you're brushing your teeth, pay attention you could when you're eating and you're probably quite mindful because you're involved here in fitness but you could sometimes women particularly can be said to be great at multitasking and you might be eating and maybe looking at your phone or dealing with children or a bit of work at the same time I I really hate that it's a really horrible feeling when you notice yourself gulping down your food because you're so stressed it's such a horrible feeling isn't it it's awful yeah. And there's such a psychological component food, you know, particularly when you're eating healthy. You really want to savor the food that you're having. So yeah. by eating mindfully and even a portion of each meal, even if you felt well, 10 or 15 minutes is too long, because as well as that, you're only looking at being mindful for a couple of seconds at a time. When I got into it first, I was trying to be mindful for three hours until my coffee break and work didn't realize, you know, it's only a few seconds, micro moments of being mindful and they'll add up. And then the more you do it, another, it'll add up and it'll add up. And suddenly you're getting half hours throughout the day or one hours. I love that. So it's more like a lifestyle versus sit here for 10 minutes. It's yeah. incorporating it into your day. Um, one, one, one part of it is. I love that so much. Yeah, it's not an extra thing to put onto your to-do list because that's yeah. a stress for everybody at the moment. Yeah. It's just taking all the things in your day and trying to apply more of your mind to them. Yeah, that's terrific. Brilliant. Um, thank you so much, Carmel. I'm going to open it up now um, to you girls. Um, and if you have any questions, um, please unmute yourself there. 
I'm just going to change it to gallery view. So unmute yourself if you have any questions, girls, or you can type it into the chat box. I'm going to wrap it up in about five minutes. Hi, Carmel. Trisha. I'm, I'm Trisha. I'm not Del. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks a million for that. I, I love the, uh, the idea of the post-it. I, I think that that is just something I'm going to actually do immediately. Um, and just that, that what you said about just the utilizing it just in a very momentary kind of way, rather than a, something extra that you have to do. It's so useful to hear that. Um, yeah. but definitely that switch. I'm going to, I'm going to definitely do that immediately Brilliant. so well thank look you. i don't know if you can see it there's yeah. mine yes absolutely yeah, yeah. and that's since 1999 oh, 1995 God. and fabulous. i'm still using it fabulous so i love yeah. it thank you so yeah. much for that thanks yeah man. you're very welcome thank you that's deadly and just just to remind me you have the word switch on it is that right switch is what i use yeah, yeah. that's cool and that's, that's just switch out of my head into what i'm doing whether that's typing or whether i'm on the phone you know, the way you can be on the phone and we're not even really listening. We're thinking what we're going to say when they stop talking. Yeah. So yeah. we're never really doing what we're doing. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. Thank you for that. Anybody else got a question? Ethna? You all, I'll unmute you there now, Ethna. Um, just unmute yourself there. Hang on now, too. There you go, Ethna. Yeah, you're on. Okay. Um, well, actually, I ran out to the kitchen and got a pen and paper a few minutes ago. And since then, everything I've written down seems to make so much sense. So thank you very much, Carmel. Um, I will definitely have to stop being saturated with the bad news from eight o'clock at night because that's all I do. But I'm a fairly good sleeper, but that's that's what I do. And uh, I think the switch focus and concentrate stuff is really good. Um, I have learned to be mindful about what I eat and I preach it to other people. I think it's a great motto or whatever. Um, and um, yeah, taking things in your day and be mindful. Talking, yeah, taking things in your day and be mindful. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I'm so glad you tuned in. Thank you. Good. Thanks very much. Yeah. Thanks, Akna. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I have a question, Jessica. Yeah, okay. Melissa, go for it. Yeah. Um, Karma, I had a very particularly difficult year with COVID and I don't want to go into a lot of detail on this call now but lost my parents-in-law and my brother and you were talking about not feeding the negative thoughts yeah. <clears throat> where is the balance between um, experiencing trauma and dealing with it and that being negative and not feeding it but like not ignoring it either yeah yeah I'm, I'm sorry to hear that now. Um, that is one thing that when you're dealing with a grief process, we can't dodge the feelings. Yeah. But what we can do, there's this concept in mindfulness and it's called flow, flow activities. And it's like sports people talk about being in the zone. When you're doing your flow activities, your mind switches off. And I know for myself, say, going through bereavements and things, um, I would try to do a lot of flow activities because like automatic mindfulness, you don't notice time passing. Now, these aren't 
abstract things. It can be things for me like reading, walking on the beach, watching a feel good movie. Yeah. So I'm I would still be dealing with the whole bereavement side of things, but I'm trying to charge myself up like a yeah. mobile phone battery nearly that will help me through those grief processes as okay. well. So yeah. the research asks that we write down 100 things that we like to do. Now, being honest, I only got as far as 54. But whenever I've trouble or like that bereavement, I will always reach for my list and I would up things like my walks on the beach, like walk and looking at feel good DVDs, reading my books, um, being with people that I like. But you do have to go in at the same time and deal yeah. with those very real feelings. Yeah. OK. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's good. So kind of saturating yourself with uh, positivity or things that you enjoy as a comfort to kind of help you support you in dealing with uh, difficult things. Yeah, well, because those yeah. things that your flow activities, your mind switches off when you're doing it. The definition of a flow activity is something that you don't really notice time passing in the same way. Yeah. And we all have different things. We might have to dig deep to have a look and see what they are. But if you could write down even 10 or 15 of those things, then yeah. you're getting that. See, inside all of us, we always have a part. It's called our core self in psychology. We have a part that's always OK, regardless of what happens, that never gets damaged. Wow. So when you do some of those flow activities, it gives that part of you a chance to come more up to the surface. So on a just on a normal happy day, we yeah. have less thinking going on and that part is more up to the surface. Then yeah. like you're describing, you have very sad things going on. So that part is naturally going to be covered over more. Yeah. Then if you do some flow activities, what that'll do is it'll give you a little break from the definite sad thoughts that are there. Yeah. Okay. And you're recharging yourself a little bit to be able to deal better over the other side with what you're going through at the moment. Yeah, thank you. So for it's that. not suppressing it. Yeah, no. that's a very good tip. Thank you very much. Okay. I love the idea of a list, having it as a go-to and maybe putting it somewhere really visible, like behind your computer. Oh, yeah. Cool. I'm definitely going to do that. Really good, really good reminder. Um, I always find with these things that you just need to be constantly reminded every day. Um, so putting stuff around the place is brilliant. And that, that's like your post-it. Um, does anybody else have any more questions? Um, myself, Jessica here. Yes, Sandra. Hi. Amazing chat. Um, mm -hmm. Like, for example, me, I'm very I'm quite hard on myself. I have two young kids, business and the whole lot going on. But I have to say, it's, it's very, very true. That's one thing about it that I do. I do read, think so much, so much, so much. Even years ago, think about it, think about it, think about it. It's, it's a fantastic way. And actually now I kind of, I'll get that piece of paper out and just put whatever down and then switch off for a minute and, you know, think of the now and what I'm at. And yeah, I got mm -hmm. a lot out of it now, to be honest with you, and the whole lot. Brilliant. A good question for everybody is ask yourself, are you on your to do list today? And if you are on it, are you last on it? Yeah. 
because everybody is describing dealing with different issues and yeah. you know children and businesses and yeah. in your fitness and doing all these things and where is the self-care for you because we're all going around like 21st century jugglers yeah. juggling everything you yeah. but check that how high up your to-do list because if you put yourself up there up high you are giving out, I don't mean complaining, you're giving out kind of an energy the whole time mm-hmm. in everything that you're doing in the day. So if you charge yourself up first thing in the morning, you know, and uh, I can even send on, I'm just thinking for anybody that wants to do a meditation, I can send something on to Jessica. Do you know, mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's essential. It's not to be a stress that you go, oh, now I have to do meditation because the informal thing of just focus, concentrate, be in the now, that wraps it. And then it's bonus if you put meditation in on top of it. Thanks, Carmel. You're actually much better at everything, aren't you, when you take a bit of time out for yourself? You kind of almost show up as your best self. You're happier, you feel better, and you're more productive, I find. Um, well, the funny figure, Jessica, is that they say you're, you, you gain 62 minutes a week by being mindful in productivity. So I always think that's very funny that it's not 60 or 65, but it's 62. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anybody, any last questions before we finish up? Okay. Carmel, thank you so, so much. That was such a brilliant chat with you. Um, Thanks to you. Just to uh, wrap it up, tell us um, how we can get in contact with you, um, please. Okay, well, the best way is through the Irish Mindfulness Academy. So that's irishmindfulnessacademy.ie. And all those emails come in through me. So I will see it, you know, and even if anybody has a question that you didn't want to ask kind of more publicly on Zoom, I can answer for you if you email in. Thank you so much. Just to be clear, that's the irishmindfulnessacademy.ie. Yeah, that's it. If you go to that website, you see the email address there. Yeah. That's terrific. Yeah. That is terrific. Carmel, thank you so much for putting myself and I'm sure everybody on this call in great form entering into the weekend. So thank you so much to everybody. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks a million. Bye, girls. All right. Bye. 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 Bye.